right, time now for All Things Gators, All Things Orange and Blue. Dan Hicken and Frank Branch. What's up, Hicks? Uh, doing well, Frank, and as always, brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialists, the best in the business, all different kinds of locations that serve you in Jacksonville. Just visit se-ortho.com for more information. You know, Frank, we, we are quick to uh, criticize the Gator recruiting efforts. I mean, uh, we have an expectation level. We want to be number one in football and everything, including recruiting. Uh, they have not been under Dan Mullen, but they had a good week, and I think that bears... Uh, some mention as we start to look ahead and discuss what in the heck's going to happen this this fall. But as far as past the fall, uh, the 2021 class is shaping up. They're very high on rivals right now. And they got, I think, three, if I'm not mistaken, three defensive backs uh, this this past week, which is, is good news for the Gators. Well, here's why that's important. You and I have had this talk a thousand times on our shows, on our podcast, in sports bars. On mm-hmm. the first tee, it doesn't. Is that's in the my in the court of public opinion in the in the perception right. world, Dan? That's the only piece missing. That's it. Yeah, the only piece missing to Dan Mullen being Dabo Saban's Kirby figure guy. The only piece missing is can he recruit the high level guys? Can he have a top two or three recruiting class? That's the only part. And we're a long way from. December, and then, of course, February, the two signing days, assuming the world doesn't change that, too, you know. Um, We're a long way from those, I get that. But the indications are, finally, I think, we're getting an indication that maybe they can measure up with regard to that. So I I think there's great significance with all that stuff for that reason. And and truthfully, the names don't matter as much. You know very few names of recruits, but Dakota Mitchell's a defensive back. Kamar Wilcoxon was a kid who was going to go to Florida, then Tennessee, now back to Florida. And then they got Jordan Young, uh, uh, another defensive back, an in-state corner um, out of Tampa, Gaither High School. And the best thing of all of of these three that I can tell you is that Jordan Young's nickname is the Warden. So uh, Florida right now has the Chief and the Warden uh, locked up for 2021. (laughs) I don't know what more you need uh, from the guy. I I will ask you this question, though, Frank Frangie. In recruiting world, listen – there's two things you need to do to win a national championship, in my opinion, unless you're Alabama. I throw them out because they've proven you don't, they don't have to do it. I think you've got to have a star quarterback. That Historically, at Florida, you better have a great quarterback, and Florida State for that matter. So uh, 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 to win a national championship, you've got to have a very, very good quarterback, uh, one of the elite in the country. And where do you have to rank in the, in the, in the yearly annals? Can you win a national championship if you're a top 10 recruiting team every year? Because that's where Dan Mullen is sort of settled in seven, eight, nine area, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two answers. I'm going to answer both your questions. Uh-huh. First of all, of course, we're in the age where you got to have quarterback play, Dan. We mm-hmm. all know that, but mm-hmm. I do think Mullen's coaching ability mitigates that a little bit. A little I don't bit, know. Right. And I, and I think they're going to prove it this year that I don't know that you have to have the five-star quarterback. Now, look, I get it. Clemson and Ohio State are the two best teams going in because they both got the five-star quarterback. I, I'm with you. But but I think the next teams in line, whoever they turn out to be, Florida, Penn State, um, pick your teams, Oklahoma. Oklahoma's got Spencer Rattler. I guess he's the five-star. But not everybody's got that five-star guy, you know. Georgia's right. going to be playing a transfer, uh, and if it's Jamie Newman, he's not a five-star guy. Florida's going to be playing a two-star guy. Penn State's going to be playing a four-star guy. So I think you can mitigate that with coaching. But the other point is, eventually, can you fall into a can you fall into a title 
by consistently being eighth to tenth in recruiting. Probably Clemson did it at one point, but right. I think you got to get in that top five to play in the SEC. I, I think to compete with the Alabamas and the LSU's and the Georgias of the world, I, I Dan, I think at some point you've got if you're going to compete with all those teams, I think at some point you've got to be able to be a top two, a top three recruiting team. And that's why I think this is significant. I think there is significance to what they're doing right now. Again, I don't follow the recruiting as close. I don't know right. all the names. What I do know is every time I pop on Twitter, someone's all aghast about Florida's recruiting, and that's the only, right. in my mind, the only piece missing in the in the whole uh, Mullen thing. And that's fair, and I'll put some context to it. And again, keep in mind that it's you know not done yet. We're, we're in June. UF is third on Rivals team rankings, uh, but the Rivals guys feel like they still have a lot of work to do if they want to stay in the top five. They're not confident that some of the players out there are going to end up at Florida. So the guess is Florida's most likely finish will be at seven and eight when all is said and done, which is not bad, but it's interesting your point about being in the top five, but you're right. When you look at uh, uh, where Alabama ends up every year and where LSU under Ed Orgeron has ended up every year um, and, and, and Georgia, Georgia, uh, you understand why, by the way, uh, I want to ask you about uh, COVID concerns in a second. I saw this stat and I, or this interesting uh, deal in terms of hiring coaches, Frank, we, we talk about this all the time. And I know you're a big believer in giving coaches some time, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, uh, I noticed this, though. Did you think about this now? At LSU, the last three coaches there have all won national championships. Okay. How good, how good is that? I mean, think I about, that, about like, that. That's I no misses. No misses. Right. They didn't miss with Saban, obviously. They lost him, right. but they didn't miss with him. They brought in Sparky, Les Miles, and he managed yeah. to win a natty. They were on his butt the whole time. Then they went right. with Eddie O. I would suggest to you that Eddie O was not the popular hire, by the way, and it seemingly right. has worked out uh, because of his recruiting prowess. But, again, if you don't think yeah. coaching matters, the last three at LSU have all won national championships. That's pretty impressive. That's a great point. I never, th- I, we knew it, but I never thought about it in that right, context. Right. You just said it. That's a great point. Let me say this. That's a really good point. Let me say this. The LSU had a string of misses, by the way, before that. Yes, they did. There was did. a string of Mike Archers and Curly Hallmans and Jerry mm-hmm. Snowballs and Bill Arnsbarger's, and they, they had a whole bunch of guys that weren't ever going to win a national title. So they were due to hit a couple right. But you're right. And, 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 I, and I think, and I do think, I don't think it's a coincidence, Dan, that one of those national titles, begets another national title, which begets another national title. Right. If you know, you know how when Steve Spurrier got to Florida, he wasn't he wasn't winning the recruiting battle. He was, but you know what he did? He coached them so well that they won the SEC in '90. I don't care what the record books say. Then they won the right. SEC in '91, and the record books did show it. Then they started winning. Well, once you start winning, now those recruits want to come again. That's what's happening with Mullen. You know, mm-hmm. you want to beat Georgia for those recruits. You got to beat them on the field at some point. Okay, go ahead. Yep. This is the year. Florida needs to beat Georgia on the field because if you beat them on the field, then then all that got those recruits that were kind of in between, you know, uh, you start swinging those guys. You got at some point Georgia can always say, Dan Mullen can talk all he wants about his quarterbacks, this quarterbacks that we beat them every year, we beat them every year, we beat them every year. He can say it all. Remember, in the early years, Spurrier used to say, "Why does Ray Goff and Georgia get the better recruits? We always had a better team." Remember that? That was legendary, yep. right? Sure, sure. Well. Well, guess what? The more that had, the more Florida started beating them, the more that flipped. Georgia wasn't out recruiting Florida by the mid-90s. Florida, Florida was ranking higher in recruiting 
because they started beating them. So you beat a team two or three times, then you change the recruiting uh, profile a bit. So that's all in my mind. That's all part of it, which is why all those games this year: Florida, LSU, Florida, Georgia. If Florida can get to the championship game, those games are so. Mm-hmm. Cr- what if? What if? What if? Just for the sake of the argument, because they can. It's not. It's certainly not comical at this point to talk about. What right. if the Gators get them all? Beat George. Beat LSU. Beat Georgia. Get to mm-hmm. the championship game and beat Alabama. It's not crazy. I mean, people two years yep. ago said that you'd you'd laugh for five minutes before you answered. Well, it's not laughable right. anymore. It may not happen, right. but it's not laughable. Okay, so let's say that mm-hmm. happens. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? You might beat Alabama for some recruits. Then you got beat them either beat them on the field first. I'll give Kirby Smart credit. He started winning yep. the recruiting battles even before he was beating people on the field. The other way to do it is win the game first. I couldn't agree with you more, 100%. Uh, Frank, we seem to, in, the, in these summer podcasts, take the COVID temperature, uh, yeah. if you will, no, no pun intended, but every week. And listen, last week was not a good week for college football. Um, and so I'm trying to put some context to it here. Uh, should we be, are you, well, let me ask you, are you more worried now about about what's going to happen September 6th uh, than you were maybe a week ago. Without question. I think from, I think any football fan, whether it's college or pro, it, it seems, I got a theory on this and I'll give it to you in a minute, but yeah, okay. I got, yeah, I am Dan. I, I think now for the first time, I'm not sure. I, I thought all along college football would be okay. I, I thought all along the worst case scenario for I thought college football would come back. They'd go mm-hmm. to training camp. They'd be ready. They'd open on August 29th, whoever's playing then, and then everybody else, like Florida, would open on Labor Day weekend. And mm-hmm. worst-case scenario is they would have partial crowds. I thought, I thought yeah. the, wor- the worst possible thing sure. the worst possible thing that could happen is they play a schedule, and for Eastern Washington, there's 35,000 people there instead of 90. I thought that would right. be worst case. Okay. Well, I'm not so sure now that that's the worst yeah. case. I, I, yeah. now, I now think that I think we're back with all with the COVID uptick. See, here's what's going to happen, and the conversation now becomes: all right, now there's far more people. There, there there's outbreaks. It feels like it feels like more and more people are are, are right. positive. Now, the well, Frank, the, let, Frank, let me jump in for just a second and tell yeah. people the reason why you're more concerned is because, in case they don't know, Clemson, uh, a 23 players quarantined. LSU, there's reports of 30 players. K State had 14 and shut down their shut down their uh, workout. So it, it's happening on different football teams in, 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 in different parts of the country. But go ahead now. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And, and, and right. an extension of that, Dan, an extension of that thought is, but now the people that aren't as sure what's happening is so bad are fighting back. And the, and the counter to all that now has become, well, wait a minute, well, the, the counter to all that has become, um, no, we're not seeing more hospitalizations. We're not seeing more right. deaths. We're just seeing more positive cases. That's because right. we're better at handling it. And it's younger people. So I still think some of that narrative has to develop before right. we know how it's going to affect college football. So that, that was so I had a little bit of an asterisk on the on the answer to the question you asked a moment ago. Is mm-hmm. am I worried? I am worried, but I want to see the rest of the story play out before I'm convinced right. I need to be worried. I think that's kind of right. the best. And so, and it's, so I'm and worried, it's, but I'm it, not convinced I need to be yet. And the interest, there's, a, there's a couple interesting facets. One I was reading about, and again, we're not experts. We're just we're trying to report the numbers and see where they stand. And I think you brought up an excellent point, and that is that the cases are up. Deaths are down, and that's a, obviously a good thing. And again, 
200 and I think yesterday in our country, Sunday, we taped this on Monday, in our country on Sunday, I think it was 276 people passed away because of COVID, which is 276 too many, but is a small number, relatively speaking, and a number that is way down from April, where there was 22, 23, 2400 who were passing away a day. So that's that's uh, uh, one thing that we have to take into account. And the thought process is asymptomatic people are getting tested and, and have it. Uh, younger people are getting tested and have it, but they it doesn't affect them as, as, as badly. And that the older folks are still taking precautions and being smart about it. So maybe that is something to do. But when it comes to college football, Frank, the concern, I think, and how it doesn't quite compare to the NFL, look, the NFL uh, has a lot more, can pour a lot more resources into how they, how they test and how right. they handle their guys. College football, there's some talk about, look, it, it's probably in the weight rooms. Florida did a really smart thing. They moved their weight room, if I'm not mistaken, into their indoor practice facility Correct. to spread it out some. And they have UF Health down there helping them out. So I think those are some of the positives as far as Florida football is, is going right now. Well, not only that, but you, you said the NFL has better resources than college football. Well, more, more specifically, the NFL teams all have the same resources. That's for college football. Uh, correct. Yeah, correct. The NFL, the Jaguars have the same re- are going to have the same resources, protocol, right. plan Good point. that the Good point. Chiefs are going to have. Florida is going to do something totally different than Vanderbilt's going to do, which is way right. different than Auburn's going to do, and right. which is way better than Miami of Ohio can do. So, right. so the problem with college football is because everything's school by school, who does the better job? So, no, I, Dan, I still think college teams are going to camp on that. Okay. Mm-hmm. I also think there's going to be some positive cases. I would think by then, and we're guessing now, right? But I would right. think by then, and this is my guess, is that there will be such specific protocols in place because they are young people who history tells us are bouncing back pretty quickly, that positive cases come July 28th when everybody's in camp. Again, that's still a month. That's still a month from now, okay? Right. So positive cases when everybody goes to camp, by then we'll, have, we'll know a month more is player X test positive. Player X is immediately quarantined, but it's not 14 days. I think it's probably two or three days. Let's mm-hmm. check his symptoms. He stays asymptomatic. Let's continue to test. Let's let it play out. And then in a week or so, he's back on the field. And I think you're going to see that. I mean, there's 85 guys on scholarship. I don't sure. think you're going to see, even K-State and these teams that have all these outbreaks, Clemson, they're not shutting down their offseason. Uh, K-State is for a while, but I promise you, those teams, give me a week, they're all back on the field doing whatever you do in this pre-warm-up time, right? Right. So I think we'll have college football. Uh, I, I, I'm ner- Yes, I'm more nervous about it than I was two weeks ago, but I'm guessing we're going to have it. What I wonder about for Florida people is, mm-hmm. and, and fans know this, people listening to this know this answer better than we do, let us know. What are they doing with the tickets? What, what are they? If, right. if you do have to start the season with 50% capacity, who gets them? How do you do that? Yeah. That's my question. Yeah. I, I have no idea what that answer is. And that's a man. Think about all the different scenarios that these these schools, these football offices, these, you know, are having to draw up. And then if you want to take it a step farther, okay, well, you were saying like you know, Florida is different than Vandy, which is different than Auburn. Yeah, but let's drop it down to Division two level. Let's drop it down to Division three level. I mean, they're right. they're along the lines of you know high school football. It's going to be very interesting uh, going right. forward. Wh- how how everybody tries to handle it and what happens going forward, but. It's still with us, that's for sure, and, and hopefully folks are taking the precautions that they need to take and, 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 and just, you know, just do the things that people tell you to do and 
and hang in there, I guess, is the best way to put it. And hopefully we'll have yeah. football in the fall because that's going to suck if we don't. Yes, yeah, it really is. Hey, where do you <laughs> think Nebhard lands? Where do you think Andrew Nebhard lands? What's your guess right now if you're predicting the Andrew Nebhard journey? That's a great question. He's supposed to – was it Monday? Wasn't it supposed to be Monday? Yeah. I think I think, I think think in the next day or two he's going to announce. That's the very, very I would say, you know, somebody asked me over the weekend, is he going to Duke? Um, And I kind of go back to the schools that recruited him, which was Gonzaga right. Right. and uh, SC – Ah, boy, I'm gonna go Gonzaga. Yeah, I and I don't so know their too. I don't know their situation either. Right. But I, he, he's certainly I, wanted. That's for sure. Yeah, and and look, you're getting you're getting a six foot five yeah. guy that's, that's very that, that, that's led his team to back to back NCAA tournaments because they would have been in this year. He's had the yeah. ball a lot. He's he's a veteran player. He know he 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 started every game, so he's he's injury. He's not injury prone. He's a leader. He's a good kid. He should be mm-hmm. one. Yeah. I, I, we've had this talk. I'm okay that he's finished his time at Florida. He had two good years there. I think with Kyrie Appleby, and they're playing a little, a little, a little quicker and a little faster, uh, maybe better for what they need to do in the SEC. But I'm okay with with Andrew Nebhard going to the next place, and I'll root for him. I really will. But oh, yeah. I think because I think against in Duke, he's competing with all those five stars who play fast. Sure. I uh, Memphis plays very fast. Gonzaga's, Memphis has kind of emerged a little bit, yeah. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. they have Gonzaga's, a, and you somehow I just think he's bigger than USC. I I, I don't I just feel yeah. like USC you he's bigger than that. This is my opinion. I don't think he. I think Duke and Memphis play a different style than he plays. I think he's bigger than SEC than SC. Gonzaga likes transfers. Mark Few is as good as there is in the country. They're taking a new guy to play a different style and having him play my style. Gonzaga's big. It's an elite program. He's from Canada. So, uh, yeah, I think Gonzaga's where he winds up. Now, the minute I say that, it'll be somewhere else, of course. But that's <laughs> my, gut, my gut tells me it'll be um, it'll probably be Gonzaga. All right, Frank. Well, good stuff this week, and uh, look forward to continuing on uh, throughout the summer as we uh, chat here on the uh, Hick, have a great week, brother. We'll talk to you next week. All right, and, of course, our – Podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialists, the very best in the business in Jacksonville, FLA. Visit se-ortho.com. Have a great week, Frank. Okay.